All right, guys, welcome to Happy Hour History. I'm your host, Kaden, and I'm here with my friend Kamal again today. Hey. And we are doing part two of Hitchhepsit's Life. Um, if you haven't listened to part one, why are you here? Please back up. Um, <laughs> because you missed all of her upbringing and all of the badass women who kind of set the precedent before her. And um, everything with her weird, like, brother-husband situation, as well as her um, also weird stepson-nephew situation. Um, but now she's Pharaoh, so that's very where Cersei we're starting. Vibes. Yeah, very Cersei Lannister of her. Um, she's the queen. Actually, in my notes, I started this part with, it's Pharaoh, uh, uh, it's Pharaoh, bitch. Oh. <laughs> but it doesn't, yes. it doesn't really make sense, because it, you really need Brittany in that sentence. Oh, sure. It's Brittany, bitch. <laughs> Um, yeah, Sparrow Bitch doesn't have the same, like, cadence. Oh, I was thinking more like we Mark Zuckerberg, who just, like, blasted an CEO bitch. <laughs> Is that what... Wait, when did he... What? The, when he became CEO of Facebook. Like, he came in, it was, like, a hostile thing. Like, where he's just like, okay, everybody else out. I'm CEO now. And he sent everybody a, a postcard. Like, those guys that he stole it from. Yeah. He sent them a postcard saying, I'm CEO bitch. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I learned like, something they, today. Yeah. This is history, y'all. <laughs> this is why we make podcasts. Because... I teach Kamal things and she teaches me things. <laughs> I didn't know that. Is that in that movie, Social Network? I think it's just in history. Like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I've never seen history. I was just, I, I just thought I'm maybe. I'm not sure if it's in. in I just thought maybe network. you'd seen the film. I've never seen that film, oh. but I've heard it's very good. I think it won awards. Mm-hmm. Anyways, maybe that'll be after I watch Mean Girls. Maybe I'll watch that. <laughs> um, anyways, we've gotten off topic, which is what we always do here. Um, so, like I said, if you haven't listened to part one, go listen to part one. Um, and we're going to start up from where we left off, which is, of course, her kind of declaring herself Pharaoh. But just a warning before we begin, um, this is a comedy history podcast, so we're going to be a little bit ridiculous. And there's, like, swearing and just, like, a general content warning um, that I just want to make note of. So, sorry, Mom, and to all the moms out there, or dads, we're here for equal opportunity parenting. Um, so, if you're listening to this with children, why? <laughs> Don't. Yeah, maybe, or do. I mean, children need to learn history, too. But if it's Pharaoh bitch didn't, like, set off any alarms in your head, that's how the rest of this is going to go. <laughs> um, so, roll the theme song. is amazing right um <laughs> this, this this is gonna be fun <laughs> editing's amazing so hatshepsut she is now styling herself as the pharaoh and she's of course like i said co-pharaoh with her stepson nephew and at this point she starts um like calling herself a name which to be honest i didn't write down because i couldn't pronounce it but it translates to hatshepsut united with amun so, before she was, like, wife of mm-hmm. a moon, and now she's united with him. Like, she is basically him, because mm-hmm. she's the pharaoh. Um, and she is depicting herself fully in, like, the pharaoh garments. 
So she would, like, for kind of official state functions, she would dress as a man. Um, that might even include, like, the fake beard thing that you see her depicted as having sometimes. Um, in her regular life, she would have still, like, dressed normally. But when she was kind of being shown as the pharaoh, she would have to kind of don that garb. And that's how she's shown in, like, most of the statues and stuff that come about. So... Um, kind of confusing to look at. I think it made a lot of people very confused when they saw it on, like, the walls of mm-hmm. temples and stuff. Um, I'll actually get to that a bit later. Um, but that's that kind of... been weird, too. I mean, for her to be taken seriously as a woman, she had to dress like a man. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, uh, that's, like, the one thing that if... There are probably two things that if you know it for anything, there are probably two things you would know. The first would probably be that she's the one who had the fake beard. Um, and the other is, um, I haven't talked about, it'll come up later, but the idea of like being erased from history. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert, guys, that's going to come up later. But uh, yeah, the beard thing is something that people tend to know about her. I think it's really interesting that she did have to kind of um, act like a man because there wasn't a word for like female pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um there's not really a word for, like, like she's not a queen either. Mm-hmm. She was just sort of like a consort right. when she was married to the her brother-husband. Um, <laughs> and Yuck. so there's not really any word for, like, being a ruling woman in her own right. So when she's the pharaoh, she's sort of acting as a man. Although everyone, of course, knows she's a woman. They're not, like, shocked. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it's not really an as-you-like-it kind of thing. No. <laughs> no, she's definitely not, like... Um, She's cross-dressing, but not as like a like a hiding your identity kind of thing. Uh, this is this is no Ganymede situation. <laughs> um, you mean Rosalind? <laughs> do I? Um, no matter uh, how or why she came to power, which is something that we discussed in the last episode um, about like it may have been malicious or it may have been that um, it was actually like, beneficial to her nephew. But either way, no matter how she came to that power. The um, Egyptian nobles were not against her reign. Um, And we know that, of course, because they don't rebel against her. They don't try to overthrow her. Um, So she was clearly quite savvy and very confident that she would have their support. So she makes her move at the right time. Um, And they seem to trust her. As I said before, um, she'd been sort of de facto ruling for quite a long time, even into the reign of her husband. Um, So by that point, she seems to have kind of earned their trust as a ruler. And as Pharaoh, um, she does a couple of different things that are worth saying. She does a lot of, she like has a lot of new construction projects, which is often used to kind of show her own power. Um, so she would have like temples and like these lovely buildings built, um, including one called the Deser Deseru. I hope I said that right. Um, and that was her mortuary temple. Interestingly though, it's not where she was buried. Um, but it is, like, meant to be her mortuary temple, um, and it's very beautiful, mm-hmm. and, um, she also has a bunch of statues made for herself, and also statues to Amun, because I guess if she's trying to, like, say that, A, Amun gave her that vision, mm-hmm. and then B, that she's, like, united with him, um, then it's smart to have a bunch of statues to him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she also makes changes to things within the court, including burial practices, um, and I think, if I'm remembering correctly, that meant that, like, um, non-nobles had, like, 
better opportunities to have like these really grand ass Mm -hmm. burials which in the past was slightly more restricted um she also um did a lot outside of egypt so she had mining in nubia um which is obviously good for their economy she also may or may not but i'm gonna go with may have led um her own military campaign in nubia and the levant um, a lot of people see her as, like, not being a militaristic ruler, and to be honest, for the most part, she wasn't. It's not what she's known for, but if she did lead this military campaign, she was, like, on the front lines, mm-hmm. and that's pretty cool because, um, A, obviously, that's uncommon for the time. But I thought there were a lot of warrior queens and, like, a warrior I princesses mean, at the time. there was the one I mentioned in the last episode, uh, I need to go back and find it in my notes. What was her name? Um, Ahotep. Oh. Ahotep was the one who was sort of like the Amazonian mm-hmm. uh, woman. And so there were warriors, but like it was not that common for women. Um, especially because they didn't have usually enough power to really be in that position of prominence. Mm-hmm. Um but in this case, Hatshepsut is able to lead her own campaign, mm-hmm. which is cool. And it's something that, like, in the future, a lot of queens don't do that. So um, she has, like, a kind of unique position here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what she's sort of much more known for, because her military campaigns almost never get mentioned, which is why we're not even 100% certain they exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but what she does kind of get become well-known for is that she expands trade quite a lot. Um, So in the aftermath of the previous wars, which had happened, like, in her father's generation, um, which he was actually involved in as a general, um, they had obviously been looking um, mostly internally because they were so busy with the war that they couldn't really be worried about trade. Um, But now they were much more interested in being kind of cosmopolitan um, and driving that that industry of trade with other kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this way, she sort of has a much more like Renaissance spirit than like a conqueror spirit in the sense that she's looking to, um, you know, bring in new goods. She's looking to kind of beautify Egypt. She's obviously, um, building all of these new construction projects, um, which helps her own power, but also just improves, um, Egypt and, and makes it much more kind of pretty as well, which mm-hmm. is, Sort of, on the one hand, like, not that important, and also sort of very important. Um, but so she's much more kind of typically, like, renaissance about it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also what's called the Expedition to Punt. Um, so, so this is one of the weirdest things that I've looked up. Because there's a place called Punt, and she has an expedition go there mm-hmm. as, like, a trading thing. But... Punt somehow manages to be... Well, today we have no idea where it is. Oh, okay. So we're... Like, there's guesses, but I, they're kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it can't be that far, right? Because I don't think... Like, you, yeah, and, like, they, be, weren't, yeah. they weren't that advanced. Right. But the weird thing about it is, is that when they talk about Punt, it sort of has, like, a dual identity. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes they talk about it as this mythical place related to the gods... And then sometimes they talk about it like a real place that they actually went to trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sort of like, we're not really sure what it is. It kind of reminds me of like Olympus in the sense that Olympus was a very real mountain. Right. 
and it still exists and we know where it is. Mm-hmm. But also it was like the mythical home of the gods. <laughs> um, so Maybe it's like a real place that real place that people kind of just what's that word kind of built up and in their minds like they like made it yeah. much grander than or it was like it just had like some sort of significance you know like yeah. religious significance that they had to do but it. i just find it so bizarre because like if if you'd never been to punt you could be like oh it's like the el dorado of the world like mm-hmm. it's this beautiful like mythical heavenly place where like you know the river is running with mm-hmm. gold and stuff and then you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense because they've never been there. Mm-hmm. They just heard about it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they've been to Poont, they know they've traded there. Like, it's nothing. It's like know. spiritual trading. Like, okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, they didn't believe in an afterlife. So maybe, like, they're That's trading true. for, like, okay, better karma, essentially, to have, mm. like, a better afterlife. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I honestly just don't know. But I find it weird that it has kind of these two very distinct mm-hmm. ideas about it. Um but regardless, she went to the poont that you can trade with. <laughs> um, whether or not that's the same as the mythical poont, I don't know. But I don't think anyone was meeting gods there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely meeting tradesmen. <laughs> um, and so her expedition went there. And when they came back, they had this like these um, like their barges and stuff just filled with luxury goods. Um, and so she came back with like the shit. They had jewels and. Um, ivory from like elephant tusks and cosmetics and spices and incense and myrrh trees which um, myrrh was really important at the time for mummification mm-hmm. um, it was also one of her favorite scents which is weird because it's like is she hanging out with mummies and like sniffing them like why would that be your favorite smell <laughs> i mean it's a dead corpse right you have to put like a lot, a lot of, of on it yeah but not to like stink up after it's been like rotting for like years so she loved the smell of myrrh so they brought back these myrrh trees they brought back animal skins like leopards and um so they just came back with the best of the best like it was like they walked into like herod's oh, into the most they went to india Oh. That's where they went. <laughs> they went to a... What is... Oh my gosh, why can't I think of which city it is? The city in um, the Middle East, the really like... Dubai? Dubai. Oh, they wow. went, Why couldn't I think of the name Dubai? It's like they showed up in Dubai and they just were like, I'll have one of everything. Right? <laughs> just give me all of it. So that's... Just the seven rings that... Seven ring to that bitch. Yes. <laughs> they showed up and they were like, I'll have all of it. And they brought it all back. And so this made her look good mm-hmm. because suddenly Egypt has all of these luxury goods. And um, she's the one that really expanded this trading back to being what it had been before these like terrible wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people really liked that about her. Um, and I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you if you're bringing and she all got of to the shit she got country. to smell her myrrh right? for the rest of time, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> yeah, so she definitely wasn't mad about that, and it was sort of seen as like one of her greatest accomplishments that she was so kind of important to bring this um, the spirit of trade mm-hmm. back to Egypt, um, and then we get on to. Sort of not her love life, but sort of also maybe. Um, so there's a man called Senemut, and he was her advisor. So back, actually, when she was still with her husband, and then, like, acting as regent and stuff, um, she had had an advisor called Senemut, and he came from a very humble background. He's, like, not from any kind of 
vastly noble family. He's kind of the typical rags to riches story. But eventually he um, becomes important enough that he is able to be the tutor of her daughter, Nefefare. Mm -hmm. Nefefare? Is that how I said it before? Nefefare. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Nefefara? Nope. Don't worry. I'm going to change it. I'm just going to edit all that out and make it sound <laughs> like I said it the correct way the first time. Um, and because he's the tutor, he starts to gain more power because he's obviously part of like the royal house household. Um, and there's actually a... I, I don't know if it was a statue or if it was like a painting, mm -hmm. but some artistic um, rendering of him where he sat down and Nefefare is like sat on his lap. Which is, like, just goes to show how much she trusted him with her daughter. Because, I mean, nowadays it's like, that's kind of creepy, like, weird man. Um, it's not that issue at mm -hmm. all. It's that this is a royal daughter. Mm -hmm. Like, a child of the royal family with this extremely, like, sh her blood is actually better mm -hmm. than Tutmos III's. Because mm -hmm. um, she's prince. she had that daughter with? So Nefefare is the one that she, uh, that Hetshepsut has with her husband, her oh, brother okay. husband. Right, but yeah. since she's the principal wife, mm -hmm. her daughter has the most noble blood oh, of, course, of yeah. all of his children. Yeah. Um, That's the direct king and queen, yeah. so of course. Yeah, yeah. so Nefefare, the fact that she's sitting on this guy's lap is interesting, not because it's like a weird pervy old man thing, but because like a regular guy who came from pretty humble origins would never be able to touch the royal family mm -hmm. like that would be such like a not even a faux pas but like you can imagine that that would have been something that you could have gotten in serious trouble for mm -hmm. so the fact that they're depicted with her sat on his lap just goes to show how much he was trusted by the royal family because mm -hmm. it shouldn't happen mm -hmm. um he started out from that point kind of he became steward to the god's wife, which was, of course, Hatshepsut, and steward to the king's daughter, which was Nefefare. Um, oh, it's Neferore. That's why I'm saying it wrong. Oh. Oh, Neferore. <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> I can't read my own writing. Oh, well. Um, and so... What was I saying? So, yeah, so he stewards the king's daughter, and eventually he kind of just becomes, like, a mainstay in the kind of royal household. Mm -hmm. He ends up in a lot of various kind of positions in the household and he's the queen um, side piece yeah he's he's like this this like kind of just main saying next to her like if she's there he's her right hand man mm -hmm. um and when she becomes pharaoh of course if we fast forward um he gets a job upgrade because now he's high steward of the king mm -hmm. um because she's the king right um and so he has really risen very well in the rankings mm -hmm. and so she trusted him with the care of her child she trusted him with important roles in the state um but the most kind of interesting thing to historians is that he was unmarried and this would have been such a weird thing because he was quite old to not be married um you know he's not like a young boy or anything so he definitely should have been married but also this leads of course to speculation that they were getting down it's a tale as old as time, you know, like the princess and the slave boy. <laughs> Down to clown. Um, so, and it's like impossible to ever think that a strong, powerful woman has like a male advisor without being like, they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, people were like, they're doing it. 
And I mean, uh, it wouldn't even be true for a king. Like, if he kind of picked one of his female, let's say, like handmaidens, and made her made her his principal. But women would never really be in a principal state's role anyway, so it's much easier. I mean, let's say he gave her a position of like some high standing. Oh, then she well, then she's definitely a fuck buddy because that never happens anyway. (laughs) Whereas when you're a female ruler, you have to assume that most of their advisors are going to be men just Mm because that's the way society works. And there's always at least one that they're like they're doing it. (laughs) Can't you see? And there's like the the like the meme of the guy with the like the corkboard mm-hmm. behind him and all of the little like red strings to connect oh, yeah. the pictures <laughs> and he's like can't you see that they're doing it just <laughs> like that crazy eye look like obviously they're having sex um now he's, is she, he's the real father yeah. <laughs> that that's when she lets him play with her oh <laughs> <laughs> well, that bloodline is muddy as hell man <laughs> um but historians don't believe that they were actually doing it mm-hmm. it makes for a much better story um, because it's like, otherwise she's just this kind just of... not another slut. <laughs> well, I mean, because then they're just both, like, weird sexless people, which, I mean, fair enough, they mm-hmm. could have been. But you gotta imagine, like, girls, like, in her 20s, maybe, like, by this point, you know, I don't know, maybe, like, 25, 26, mm-hmm. I have no idea how old she is. <laughs> um, but, like, she's not that old. Um, and once her brother-husband dies, when she's still a teenager, mm-hmm. is she just, like, celibate for the rest of her life? <laughs> Why does history not tell me the answer to this? I have no idea. I'm just putting it into the universe. <laughs> but I want to know if she was having Maybe she's just too busy, a private like, life. making history, you know? <laughs> yeah, she's like, no private life for me, guys. Sorry, but I gotta right. be pharaoh. Like, I am boys. the state. <laughs> I am the state. I mean, that's a very kind of Queen Elizabeth thing to do, is mm-hmm. be like, I'm swearing off men... Because I am the state. Yeah. <laughs> um, I respect it, but I just want to know. I want to know if she was having a private life at all, but they don't tell us that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she probably wasn't doing it with sentiment, but he was important to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were obviously close. Had ships that had all these building projects, and sentiment was involved in a number of them. Mm-hmm. And in one case, he creates... Um, or, like, he is the one who, like, oversees the creation of Friezes, and they say her name, and they show her as a cobra goddess, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's gotta be baller looking. Um, because who wouldn't want to be a cobra goddess? I think, I, I mean, that sounds familiar. It sounds, uh, I would like to be a cobra mm-hmm. goddess. That sounds very kind of powerful looking. Um, he also put himself in a scene, um, so in one of the temples... She's shown as his cobra goddess, and then he, like, is kind of self-inserted, mm-hmm. um, not anywhere important, but behind a door where, like, no one would see him. You can, um, he's found, like, praying, and this was a really cheeky thing to do, um, because he wasn't nearly important enough to be included in any of these scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, even though he was part of the government and part of her household, his, like, bloodline mm-hmm. um, would always preclude him from being part of these scenes. And he's really putting an advisor up on a wall next to the queen. Yeah. Well, that's why... So he tucks himself away, like, behind a door so that no one would really notice him. Mm-hmm. But it is very kind of cheeky to do that because he really shouldn't have been on those walls at right. all. Um, so I think he's kind of a funny guy. Um, but he seems like he... By all accounts, from the historical, like, opinions of him that I've read, he seemed like he was... Um, like, very fit for the role, and that he was a good kind of advisor for her to have, and obviously, like, good for her daughter and everything, so it all worked out. They probably weren't even having sex, but maybe they were. That just makes it a little bit more 
interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, makes it a little bit more scandalous. Um, but in fairness, she was like a widow, so <laughs> whatever. And this one wasn't even her brother, so she really, you know, kind of stepped up there with her men <laughs> if she was actually with him. But she probably wasn't. Um, at this point, it's sort of like a fast forward through her reign because she's in power for about like 15 to 22 years. I think 22 is like the most commonly used. And the reason I think some people say 15 is that I think like that's sort of from when she declares mm-hmm. herself Pharaoh. Because that's obviously, the space between her son giving her a date and yeah. she herself giving her yeah. a date. Yeah, so, so 22 years in total, including when she was the regent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 15 years of her actually, like, being pharaoh. And that would make sense if, because I said it was probably about seven years into mm-hmm. the regency yeah. that she's like, you know what? Peace out, guys. I'm just going to make myself pharaoh now. Right. <laughs> like, screw this pretending that I'm not in power. <laughs> um, and she dies around age 50. It might have been that bone cancer killed her. Um, she apparently had been using a carcinogenic skin lotion. Um, and I guess she had, like, a skin problem, and so she used this skin lotion, but it was a carcinogen, so it probably gave her cancer, (laughs) um, and she likely did die of bone cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, at this point, then, um, her stepson, Tutmos III, is able to take full power as the only pharaoh, and he rules well into his 50s. So she dies in her 50s, and then he's got some more time up until he's in his 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he also passes away, he is a considerably more militaristic pharaoh than she was. Um, obviously, she may have been involved in like a smaller campaign, mm-hmm. but that's not really what she's known for. He was much more interested in kind of being a conqueror. Um, and they found her body probably... Um, it seems that it was her in 2007. So it was very recent. Mm -hmm. The body itself had actually been found, I think in the early 1900s, but they didn't realize it was her. Mm -hmm. So she was just like chilling in, um, the like storage, I think of like one of the museums in Cairo and they were like, oh, here's this mummy, I guess. And then one day somebody was like, what if we looked at that mummy and it was somebody important? And it was. Okay. Um, so, yeah, she was discovered in 2007, and that's when they were like, yeah, I think this is a Chipson. <laughs> and um, this was three hundred. This was more than 3,000 years after her reign. Um, so she had been peacefully chilling for quite a long time before they came to rudely disturb her. <laughs> um, she was buried in the Valley of the Kings before she was obviously moved, um, which does attest to her power and um, the respect that she was given when she died. They did bury her there, which mm-hmm. would have been what she wanted. Um, and now she resides in the Egyptian Museum in Cairo, so she uh, you can see her there. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, when they found her body and they were like, oh, this is Hatshepsut, mm-hmm. apparently she's like thought to have been obese when she died. Okay. And that she probably had diabetes. Oh. Which is not really how I think of Egyptians ever. Like, I know that she was obviously wealthy. She was, you know... Maybe they're attributing it... Like, I mean, if they're saying bone cancer... Yeah. Like, they found, like, obviously something wrong with her remains. Yeah. It might have been, like, I don't know, odd. But, odd but yeah. But apparently she was, she was heftier at that point. Okay. So, it might have been that she was too wealthy for her own good and had the richest of all the foods. Because mm-hmm. you never really think... Like, you think of, like, people later than that. 
becoming obese. But I've never really thought about Egyptians in that way. So interesting. I think it fits her whole personality. She was quite um, self aggrandizing. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. She was. What's the word? Aggrandizing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, alright. I'm saying it correctly. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, she was like, okay, I'm a pharaoh now. And like, okay, I'm awesome now. And yeah. Like, hey, it, I came back with all this, like, money and gold. And it might even be that, like, she's like, well, I'm the pharaoh, so I have to act like a pharaoh. Mm-hmm. So I have to dress the best and eat right. the best. And, you yeah. know, like, if I'm going to be pharaoh, I'm going whole hog mm-hmm. on this. Right. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, so she was probably killed from bone cancer, but she was also a little bit uh, diabetic, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this gets into sort of what I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, but about her her kind of her death and then eventually finding her. Um, I mentioned that one of the things that most people do know about her, if they've heard of her at all, is that she was sort of wiped from the historical record. Mm-hmm. And so this is called Demnatio Memori. Um, this is a Latin term, so it definitely is something that is named long after it happened to her. So they kind of like then retroactively apply it to her situation. And it doesn't perfectly fit. But basically what happens is, is um, like I said, she dies and the Third fully takes power. And about 20 years after her death, um, it seems at this point that she was erased from much of the historical mm-hmm. record so images of her were destroyed um her statues her sons doing so sort of so it was like like statues and um like like paintings on the walls of her or carvings would often be destroyed um and this was interesting other people in her government including senenmut were also sort of trying to be wiped from history mm-hmm. so People used to think that Tutmose III did this out of rage. Mm-hmm. Because as we talked about, there was this whole idea when um, interest in her was piqued again that she was like the evil villain stepmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he, for so long, had been waiting to regain full power. And so when she died, he kind of lashed out against her memory. And, you know um, what? I feel like Prince Charles might do that a little bit. Oh my god. Prince Charles is so repressed waiting for his mother to die. <laughs> and she's just waiting for him to die too. And they're like at a stalemate right now. They're like, just I think die. he's going to tarnish her memory like hell. <laughs> I mean, if and when she goes. <laughs> they kind of remind me of like when you watch an old western film. And like you just see two cowboys like squinting at each other. And like they're like squared up. Like they're just both like just squinting really deeply in each other's eyes. And like just die already. No, you don't. Yeah, so sort of the same game. Um, So a lot of people thought that he did this because he was just so mad at her. (laughs) And that he was like, you know what, wipe her from memory. And this is important because not only would it wipe her from, like, the historical record and mean that she was forgotten by, like, people on Earth, but also they believed that if you wiped her from these memories, especially as a pharaoh, that it would deny her access to the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So that would be, like, the ultimate punishment. That would be such a mean thing to do when they believed so strongly in this afterlife. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Maybe he was, like, he wasn't as good a ruler as her, and he was constantly reminded of that. Yeah, that's... See, that's interesting. I didn't think of that. Maybe he... Maybe he has a shit down like mommy issues. He has a complex, yeah. yeah. He's like, this bitch. <laughs> no one will ever let me forget that I'm not her. Right? <laughs> Which is, that's a very Charles thing to do. <laughs> Poor Prince Charles, I mean, if you're listening. Like, 
don't know, maybe a couple of years tops. Before he has to pass it on. Uh, yeah, he's he's got such a short time. Yeah. No, every time a famous person gets mentioned on this and I say something mean about them, I then go, Prince Charles, if you're listening, <laughs> please review this podcast, actually. I'd really like to get, uh, you know, approval from Prince Charles. That'd be neat. Um, Elizabeth? Sorry, not sorry. Queen Elizabeth, we know you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Um, and we will get to your family. Trust me, I'm going to get there. Please don't chuck us out of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't make us leave right now. We will not have anywhere to go. Um, um, so, yeah. So, basically, there's that theory, which is something I didn't even think about. But um, but a lot of people actually think today, mm-hmm. again, now that we have a bit more like context about her life... People today actually don't think that this was done out of any kind of rage on his part. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that there is this 20-year gap makes them think that it's not like an emotional outburst. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise he would have done it as soon as she died. Um, instead, we know now that it happened towards the end of his reign. And that it actually may have been tied into issues of the secession. Mm-hmm. And which of his children would take power after his death. Oh. So basically, um, he he himself and also the child who was going to succeed him, they were both of the Tutmosid line. And that makes sense. That was obviously, um, he derived his power from his father. Mm-hmm. His father derived his power from Tutmos I. So Tutmos I, Tutmos II, Tutmos III, all the Tutmos line. Mm-hmm. But all of those children were from lesser women. Right. So Tutmos II was from a lesser mm-hmm. wife. Tutmos III from a lesser wife. And then his son, Amenhotep II, also from a lesser wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so none of them had these really strong claims. Um, whereas she, when she had ruled as pharaoh, had the Tutmosid line from her father. But also, as I mentioned earlier, or maybe in the last episode, um, she also, from her mother's side, had the previous line, which mm-hmm. is called the Tausid line. I hope I said that right. Um, and so she had, like, the earlier family that her father hadn't even been descended from mm-hmm. in any, like, legitimate, important way. Um, and so she had this double kind of um, claim to the throne that none of the others have. Mm-hmm. And so it may have been that his heir, Amenhotep II, um, decided at this point that he... Because he was basically acting as a co-ruler mm-hmm. now that his own father was quite old. Because right. he's in his 50s. Um, so he was bumped up to being co-ruler. And it may have actually been him that decided to attack um, the the monuments and the, the kind of imagery of Hatshepsut as a way of basically trying to stop anyone with the blood from the Talsid line mm-hmm. from trying to take power because there were still people who weren't as royal as she was but mm-hmm. people from that same line of the Taucids who may have been like you know what none of these um, people from the Tutmosid line have our strong blood claim mm-hmm. so he may have been trying to get rid of her memory mostly to stop others from like using her as a mm-hmm. way to be like we need more Hatshepsut type oh. people right. so it may have been that situation um there's so many of them now that it's getting confusing to explain. There's so many fathers and sons. Um, but yeah, so it may have been Amenhotep who would eventually succeed his father. So her um, legacy was basically leaving behind a bunch of inadequate sons. 
Well, she doesn't have any sons. She only has the daughter. So she's all these stepsons. Oh, okay, right. Um, yeah, all these, like, because her husband and all these, like, stepsons and, mm-hmm. and their descendants and stuff. Right. Um, but she's, she's just so cool. And everyone's like, she was so cool that we need to, like, get rid of her, basically, because we can't remember that she was really cool. Because then maybe they'll want other Tauses mm-hmm. to come to power. Oh, because maybe she's cool. But what about her daughter? Life? If not, everybody jumped on the chance of marrying her. So to like legitimize themselves. Okay, so her daughter Neferore, um, I think I know for certain that for a time she was meant to marry Tutmosa the Third, mm-hmm. which again would be a half sibling marriage, <laughs> and it was put off for a while. I think eventually they may have been married, though I'm not positive about that. But if they were, they didn't have sons. So once again, it goes to mm-hmm. a son from a lesser bloodline. So it just doesn't really work out for them. <laughs> um, but she's so cool that like all of these people who aren't descendants of her mm-hmm. are like, we just need to get rid of her because it's going to cause problems. <laughs> um, and so that may have been why they carried out the destruction of her monuments. Bring her um, food back. <laughs> yeah. And so um, make Egypt great again with Hatshepsut. <laughs> um, so... They, it's interesting though, because they only get rid of images of her as Pharaoh. So there's loads of images of her where she's still the queen consort, mm-hmm. which is like when she's God's wife of a moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't get rid of those and they don't delete that part of her history. Um, and they also immediately following her death, she was given a full like ritual burial, including the whole mummification mm-hmm. process. So... There was no real belief that they were trying to actually deny her the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing about Dimnatio Memore being this opportunity to keep her from having the afterlife experience that she's meant to have, probably bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because they they would have had to get rid of every single mm-hmm. depiction of her, and they don't do that. They only get rid of the ones of her as Pharaoh. So one of the articles that I was reading, they wrote that um, basically the fact that they leave so many untouched makes the destruction look like a considered decision rather than an act of passion because mm-hmm. they're obviously just attacking a certain type. And clearly, um, it seems to show that it was a political move mm-hmm. rather than something emotional. Right. Um, so if they're just trying to get rid of her as Pharaoh, then that's a political kind of gambit. And yeah, because else. they weren't against uh, her being queen regent. They were just against her being a Pharaoh. Yeah. And like self, like declaring herself. Yeah, self I mean it worked. Be, yeah, and I think too, like they were happy to have it happening when it was working, mm-hmm. and it worked until she died. But I also think that they're like this could set a precedent mm-hmm. in the future where it doesn't work, mm-hmm. and we don't want to have that problem. So it worked the one time, but let's not make a habit of right. it. <laughs> um, and so yeah, they do sort of just get rid of her from the record um, in in a capacity mm-hmm. as Pharaoh, not as like a human so I she mean, still existed they didn't really kind of succeed in fully erasing her because well here we are they wiped her from history in the sense that lots of her statues were destroyed and like some of her temples and stuff they basically put up like like she would have these um like columns and stuff mm-hmm. that were done and they would basically just put up like a second set of walls so that you just couldn't see what was behind them <laughs> so they didn't actually destroy some of the things they mm-hmm. just like hid it behind more walls um, and it, they would, you'd Quite like passive aggressive, <laughs> you'd like walk into a temple and you'd be like, Hey, it looks smaller on the inside. And that's cause they hid some stuff. <laughs> um, and 
So she more or less been kind of wiped from the historical record. Um, not completely, like I said, but enough that it was, she was sort of forgotten for a lengthy period of time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, if you fast forward to when they find the Rosetta Stone and they're able to then translate, um, hieroglyphics, suddenly they see these like paintings on the wall and stuff and they're looking at it and they're very confused. <laughs> they were in the 1800s by the, this point. Mm-hmm. And, um... And they're seeing these these images of two pharaohs, and they're like, okay, sometimes that happens. I mean, Tutmosis the third and his son, Amenhotep the second, right. for a period time. of a period of time, were both co-ruling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not unheard of. But they're like, okay, two pharaohs, weird but fine. But when they started to be able to read hieroglyphics, they were like, mm, there are some female pronouns in here, <laughs> and we don't get it because these are two men. Right? <laughs> they're like. Do they not know how to write? <laughs> um, and it turns out that they were seeing images of Hatshepsut that hadn't been destroyed, of her still as pharaoh. And, of course... With the um, fake beard. Yeah, the fake beard depicted as a man, but they were still calling her a woman. And her gender pronouns are all kinds of crazy. Mm-hmm. Because even as a child, she would sometimes dress in, like, more mannish clothing. Because she was, like, a kid and she was running around and stuff. And, like, no one but her parents mm-hmm. told her what to do. So they're like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes her dad would, like, be, like, my son, like, like, my son, uh, had Shepsut. And, like, he knew she was a girl, but, like, he would confuse pronouns sometimes, probably intentionally. And then, like... maybe she was, like, she wasn't the first or big badass woman pharaoh. Maybe she was a trans pharaoh. That would... That would be (laughs) a whole different story. Maybe Maybe we'll discover. Maybe, she was a woman and... Her dad wanted to raise her as a boy, and then yeah. she gave her a whole other I think there's this kind of interesting, like, fluidity of... Uh, this. It's sort of... It's born out of a very unfortunate situation where, like, m- women have such a kind of defined role mm-hmm. in society that is not great. And so it, it means that to be anything as a woman, like, anything of consequence... You almost have to, in some ways, renounce femininity, mm-hmm. which is why I still think it's nice that sometimes they use female pronouns for her. And I think it's nice that, like, outside of state occasions, she mm-hmm. still wore women's clothing. Um, but there, there is sort of this this need to be able to almost switch back and forth. Um, so maybe she's just like, fuck the binary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was just an early non-binary person. Maybe. I mean, probably not. But also maybe. We don't know. Good idea to do this, like, right after Pride. (laughs) (laughs) Right after Pride Month, y'all. Yeah, so it's sort of this weird thing where people were always sort of confusing her pronouns. And even when they wrote about her. But in this case, they're using female pronouns. And these historians are like, what? (laughs) Because they didn't know who she was. She'd been kind of so deleted from Mm -hmm. the storyline that they were like, who? is this person (laughs) um and so they were able to kind of piece together her life it was actually very important because for a long time historians of egypt were so confused about this whole period and like the secession Mm -hmm. and like who comes where and it had led to all these questions and so when they finally discovered her they were like ah (laughs) eureka that's how it fits together um so they were really glad about that Mm -hmm. but like I said, at this point, in like the 1800s and early 1900s, she does sort of adopt this very um, like evil stepmother figure. Because when they discover her, they're like, she stole the throne? Mm-hmm. She became a female pharaoh? 
So they, their opinion of her like evolved over time. Yeah. So she wasn't she wasn't seen as this like really cool women, woman mm-hmm. who used a bad situation and made herself like the coolest woman in all of mm-hmm. Egypt. Um, they very much saw her as a usurper, mm-hmm. and so that's how she gets this kind of um, this like stereotypical. Um, I can't think of the word I'm going for here. But, yeah, she she's given this kind of, um, this, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> Ooh, I can't keep starting the sentence over and over <laughs> again, hoping I get the word. Um, I don't know it. Anyways. Do you want to describe it? Maybe I can get it. No, I just, like, they give her this, like, this mantle, this, no, I don't know. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so basically they turn her into this more evil conniving mm-hmm. figure and i mean like i said it's not impossible that that is what happened mm-hmm. but it's not a very nuanced understanding mm-hmm. of her and so kind of from our limited knowledge there's definitely reason to believe that, that might not be the case mm-hmm. um but they do very much just go you know what she was a conniving woman and she she was reaching too far mm-hmm. and that's why her stepson hated her so much <laughs> um and now we know that maybe none of that's true at all um, but overall, now we know her as um, one of the very few female pharaohs in all of Egyptian history. Certainly not the first, um, but she was the second confirmed female pharaoh. Um, <clears throat> obviously paves the way for women like Cleopatra in the mm-hmm. future. Um, she was successful at increasing the trade and keeping Egypt relatively at peace, mm-hmm. especially since they had only recently been involved in a pretty um, like debilitating war between like a factionalized Mm -hmm. region um she was savvy and she was able to take power as a woman Mm -hmm. um within kind of the realm of what was available to her um both as a wife and a regent and then to become a pharaoh in her own right Mm -hmm. and to know like when the right time to to do that was and um she was so cool that the patriarchy had to entirely wipe her from history to keep people from thinking about how cool she was so So fuck men because uh, all men are garbage. <laughs> because these men had to entirely delete her from the story just to be like, don't be like her. <laughs> um, and now we can look back on her and say that she was so cool, and I love her, and I wish that we had more stories like her. But fourteen hundred years later, we get Cleopatra, <laughs> who was so cool but also tragic. Right. Like, tragic and, like, the like this is a sad tragedy way, but also mm-hmm. tragic where you kind of look like, like, it's like a train wreck, and you can't really look away, because mm-hmm. you're sort of vaguely interested. Right. But you're also like, this is clearly not going to end well. <laughs> and it doesn't. And also, I mean, shout out to, like, 2019 Egyptian women. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah, break those norms. Yeah, and things, I mean, obviously, to be honest, I'm not that up to date with Egypt, in terms of, like, 2019, mm-hmm. um, obviously, like, I learned a lot more about it after the Arab Spring, but I do know that things are evolving mm-hmm. much quicker than I'm keeping up with. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm sort of in awe of all of the women who live in that region in general, um, and that they are pursuing, like, their own feminist ideals mm-hmm. in any way that they can. So, you know what? Snaps to you guys, because you have this beautifully long heritage Mm -hmm. of these women who say, fuck men. We're doing what we gotta do. (laughs) Um, And I think that's really special. like 3,000 years ago, gotta stick together. (laughs) Yes. Hatshepsut 
certainly wasn't the first, and she's definitely not the last. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's nice to see how much things have changed since then. Um, and in some ways, somehow things have not changed, which is less nice. <laughs> um, well, that's history for you. But that's just, that's men for you. <laughs> um, so if we haven't been branded as men haters, if I get, like, reviews that just say men haters, I'm going to laugh. So <laughs> do it. I would, I would enjoy that. Um, but anyways, so that is also the end of the episode, the end of Hitchepsit. Um, I think one of the coolest people. And honestly, she's like kind of a drama-free bitch. Like, I know that she maybe stole mm-hmm. the throne or whatever, but, like, she's just kind of, she's like, you know what, I'm the pharaoh, and I'm gonna, like, trade and stuff. Like, she's I just, like, she a like, nice... ghosted through, like, her power. She just like, seems like a nice lady. Yeah. I wanna hang out with her. Right? She had, like, her daughter, and she had her, like, statesman, and she was just like, you know what, we're just gonna make it work. Right? And I appreciate that. <laughs> she is not up in the drama, and she didn't even have, like, I mean, she could have totally killed her stepson-nephew, and she didn't. So I love her. Kudos to you for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so snaps to you for being successful and not even having to do, like, the real dirty stuff <laughs> that a lot of people had to do right. back then. So, sorry, we stopped the recording, but I've turned it back on now because we started talking about, um, we started talking about things that you knew about Hatshepsut. Mm-hmm. And you said that you knew about the Cobra Queen. Yeah. Yes. And that's the fact that she was buried in the Valley of Kings. Yes. But what I feel... Um, I might be mistaken, but I feel like I saw her tomb. Yeah. And maybe her sarcophagus. Was that in a museum or was it, like, out in the desert? It was, I don't know, like, I feel like what I remember is some somewhat of, like, a shrine to her. Outside? Outside. So yeah, that... Not in a museum. Um, I mean, I don't, obviously, I don't know where you were, mm-hmm. but it may... No, in Cairo. You were in Cairo. In Cairo. Okay. Um... I'm trying to think. I don't know where the Jaser Jaseru is. I'm going to Google it. Mm-hmm. I Googled this many times today, so it's like the first thing that happens when I type. Also, when you type in DG, mm-hmm. not a lot of things come DG. up with me. It's, yeah, Jaser Jaseru. Oh, okay. I don't know how it's at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it starts with DG. Or sorry, no. DJ. Mm-hmm. I'm going to... It's one of those days. <laughs> DJ. Uh, luckily, <laughs> Luckily, not a lot of things come up in your, like, recommended... Mm-hmm. Google searches when you type in DJ. This is Upper Egypt. That is so not helpful. <laughs> Why would the internet do this to me? Um, I was thinking it may have been that. Because that was meant to be her mortuary temple, but mm-hmm. it's not actually where she was buried. Um, Probably not. I mean, I don't remember this word. It sounds like a fun word. I would have remembered it. <laughs> Gisero, Gisero. Um... But anyways, if you saw any of her um, her sarcophagi, mm-hmm. she had multiple. Okay. Um, because obviously we know that like the Egyptians were very into planning for their own deaths, mm-hmm. which is why so many of them built these like right. really cool places to be buried. <laughs> I um, mean pyramids. <laughs> yeah, the pyramids, and then you have people who build like like she does um, mm-hmm. these mortuary temples, mm-hmm. um, and so they also took like the creation of their sarcophaguses well sarcophagi but a sarcophagus very seriously and so she had a bunch of them mm-hmm. <laughs> because i feel like every like you know you'd have one prepared for you and then maybe a few years down the line you're like you know what we can do better <laughs> or like there's like new advances or like something new's in vogue and you're like no no i can't be buried in that one right? from five like, years I'm ago like, tomb's gotta be like way cooler than this yeah i can do better <laughs> so she actually had multiple sarcophagi 
Um, and yeah, so maybe you saw some of those because I know that some of those are in museums. Um, and that may have been. Like I said, it was a while ago. So it's a while yeah. ago. But you've just, you've remembered some of it. <laughs> some of it. Um, <laughs> Very little of it. Some. <laughs> but that's so cool. I want to go to, I want to go to Egypt. Um, I think it would be very neat. Did you go to the Valley of the Kings? I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she was, uh, I think she was found in, it's called, uh, KV60. It's like, because they've, like, labeled Mm -hmm. all the places that they found (laughs) the different people. Um, and I believe she was found in KV60, um, which is not where she was meant to be, which is why they were... I kind of Which is why it took like a hundred years for them to be like, what if this was a person that was important <laughs> um, and not just like a rando? Um, just like snuck their way in here and just kind of like, yeah, this is where I'm going to die. <laughs> I guess I'm going to die here now. Because <laughs> um, I actually think it may have even been the guy who found King Tut mm-hmm. who may have also found her. But then she just was chilling for a mm-hmm. long time, being like, no one cares who I am, so I'm no. just going to sit in this basement for a while. <laughs> um, and then finally somebody, yeah, was like, this might be somebody cool. <laughs> and so they thought to check. And, I mean, what, that was 12 years ago now, but still recent. Mm-hmm. Um, much more recent than I would have expected. Um, and, yeah, now she's probably that person. We're not <laughs> even really sure. But presumably it is her. I think, they, <laughs> I think they were able to tell from, like, a tooth that was removed mm-hmm. um and that somehow identified her body i don't really know how it worked but <laughs> teeth they're amazing um and so yeah so that's neat that because the things that you remembered mm-hmm. are not the things that i would have thought like the cobra woman thing was such a random i just i mean it's there in my head and i'm just like okay yeah that sounds very familiar <laughs> like i remember like a cobra queen and i'm just like Wow, that's pretty awesome. Like, like you said, it's a very unique thing to be like known for. I also think it just like it, the idea of it. Like, it probably like the actual depiction is probably not what I'm imagining, but I can just see it in my head as being this like very fantastic looking thing to be a cobra queen and like be depicted that way. Because <laughs> um, you could do like you could absolutely make that so camp <laughs> like that would be oh okay before that go oh i was just thinking like snake personality well because it would like oh i was thinking like, like the way that she like strong bite that, like that she could be like depicted like i'm not i'm sure she didn't dress that way like you know <laughs> hanging around the palace camp in like 3000 um, bc <laughs> but like like imagine today if like next year's met gala mm-hmm. was gonna be like egyptian themed mm-hmm. like one of these went like could you imagine if rihanna showed up to the met gala as the cobra queen and how much you could do with that she would look so cool so cool (laughs) so i just imagine that like however they made that work like if i was the cobra queen i'd go all out like i'd pull a taylor swift and everything would be snakes all the time (laughs) i don't even like taylor swift um but i know she has that thing with snakes now because everyone hates her um and so yeah so i just i think that's interesting and i it's funny that that's, like, something that stuck out in your head as yeah. being um, memorable about her. Um, but, yeah, so that is her story. And thank you for being on my episode today. Thank you, Kaden. It was, was so really fun. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, it was fun to have you. Um, and if you all want to follow me or contact me at all, uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at HappyHistoryPod. Um, I just tweet ridiculous stuff there all the time. My Instagram is at happy hour history pod. Um, 
and my Facebook is Happy Hour History Podcast. I honestly don't really like Facebook that much, but you can totally follow me there. And my email is happyhourhistorypod at gmail.com. So feel free to get in contact. Um, let me know if you have ideas for future episodes. I definitely need to like expand the things that I want to learn about slash teach about. Um, so getting to know what you guys want to hear would be awesome. Also, just like yell at me if I said things wrong or if I'm a man hater or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like down for all of it. Um, and also, please rate and review the show, um, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, because that's where I primarily see it. But um, leave a star rating, and if you have, like, two minutes of your day, it would be cool to get a review as well. It's nice to hear what you guys think. Um, and that is it, I think. So, outro music, play now. <laughs> <laughs>